Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Hello, Mary. Hello, Jillian. I love how gentle your voice is. <laughs> if you were tuning in last week, remember Jillian said she was, that was her word for this year, is that she's going to allow herself to be more gentle and kind, not well, just to others, but to herself. It wasn't, it's actually not my word. No, it's sorry. It's my actually, intention. It's your intention. That's right. Right. Because an intention is different than a resolution. Yeah, you're right. A resolution says, I must do this mm. or I'm a failure. Yes. <laughs> Intention says, I want to live this way. Yes, that's right. I love that. And that's part of the reason why in my words, I always have live blank. Exactly. It's that intentionality part of it. Yeah. So I'm just trying to be more gentle and kind with myself and others. Well, it's showing in your demeanor and your voice. Aw. So awesome. So um, as we promised, we are going to share from um, Dr. Susan Bialy Haas's book, um, the Resilient Life, which Ooh, it's a good is one. phenomenal. Um, I was thinking about this because I was uh, just asked to give a talk on resilience to parents uh, who've been struggling with a lot of personal anxiety, but also recognizing anxiety in their kids, which seems to have worsened, as you know, with COVID and just the, so many things that are unknown and out of control. So it got me thinking, you know, because I certainly haven't been immune to the stresses of what's happened in the world in the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, you can easily go down the road of disastrous thinking. And, oh, my goodness. And then, oh, my gosh, my kids are living in this world after we're gone. And then their kids. And it's just, oh, my gosh. So it's been challenging from that standpoint. And it's uh, as a parent. And even though our kids are young adults, yeah. <laughs> it does not stop us from wanting to bubble wrap them from the pain of life. Like, I really don't want them to suffer. Sometimes I do in the sense of like, hey. <laughs> you want them to suffer for their own good, but you don't want them to suffer. <laughs> That's okay? right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. But I was talking to uh, my daughter, Amanda, recently, and I was telling her I didn't want her to experience heartache because she's been working through some things and it's been so beautiful to watch. But I was like, oh, I don't want you to feel any heartache. And she goes like, mom. First of all, it's impossible to avoid. And second of all, it's good for my growth. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, the wisdom. <laughs> yeah, so mature. <laughs> so mature. So anyway, so that sort of got me thinking, and I've been reading this book, The Resilient Life. And by the way, everyone get this book. It's unbelievable. It's jam-packed with good science. But it's not even just like this heady book that just tells you all these facts and you kind of go, okay, it's good to know that. But like, now what? She actually has a lot of actionable strategies to build your resilience. And she's also really generous in that she offers a free workbook to go with it. So just to give you context with where she's going with this book, she actually is quoting this guy who's done uh, quite a lot of research in the area of resilience. Um, his Dr. Michael Unger, and he has uh, a book, Change Your World, The Science of Resilience and the True Path to Success. He says, resilience only occurs when there's adversity, which we mentioned last uh, episode. Mm -hmm. So he describes resilience as a process that all systems experience in adverse conditions. 
So the phrase personal recovery, for example, implies a change for the better after experiencing severe difficulty. And then um, she goes on to say that this article that she is quoting um, is that resilience, they describe this in the American Psychological Association as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. Wow. Like, listen. Adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. Well... Bingo, bango, bongo, we've hit the list. We have totally. And we've done the checklist. Yep. Adversity, yep. Trauma, yep. Tragedy, yep. Threats, yep. Significant sources of stress. And the problem is, like, resilience is sort of like the latest sexy word that's out there. Everyone wants to be resilient. Resilience, resilience. It's like, okay, I'm going to go be be resilient. But, like, (laughs) we got to go through this stuff to get resilient? Well, if we look back in history, that's what history has taught us. Right. People who have gone through horrific, adverse situations and circumstances. Mm. We wonder mm. when we see their life, mm-hmm. how are you so how are you so healthy? Yeah. How are you so secure in yourself? Yeah. And how are you still walking in one foot in front of each other? Right. Because they're resilient. Mm. I was reading an article um, and she's a young high school girl. Uh, and she's uh, black and was in a small town and was getting basically um, terrorized through Ugh. racism. It was brutal. And she and her parents went to the school again and again and again and again, and they did nothing about it. How many times have we heard that story? Right. And so she ended up, uh, her. Um, she got to a point where she got so upset that her number one um, tormentor, he, she basically kind of slapped him and swore at him. So then she got put into a disciplinary school for one month. And he had nothing. Can I slap the people that I know. did all that? Anyway, so then, of course, she was devastated. Her family was devastated. She spiraled down, ended up running away, um, was uh, beside herself, uh, was uh, thinking of committing suicide. Oh. Like, down the road of <clears throat> just such trauma and adversity. Um, luckily, she's surrounded by family who loves her, mm. who pursued her, you know, got her. Uh, they've been, like supporting her all the way. And then out of that, she's decided that she's actually going to go back into this realm uh, and she's going to fight for, she's going back to the high school and she's going to fight for other people like uh, who are also marginalized. Isn't that unbelievable? She's unbelievable. Well, that's a story right there of resilience through adversity. It is. Oh, So, um, Susan, uh, Dr. Bialy uh, Haas talks about, I'm going to call her Dr. Susan, because a little secret here. I actually love her personally, too. She's a great friend of mine. So what she is writing about in this book, she is living. So she's not, this is not fluff, pretend, whatever. She lives it out. We have conversations all the time about how she's doing this. And she herself, you read in the beginning of the book, she has gone through unbelievable adversity Mm. herself. So you'll read her story or parts of it. Anyway, she says the resilient life is a way of being. So it's a way of moving through life and it's habitual practice considered way of making choices. So intentionality, what you just started off talking about, intentional way of living life. You're doing it habitually. You're, You're consciously making 
wise choices. You're also consciously perceiving things that have happened to you through the, the healthiest possible filter. And it's also understanding all the factors from physical to mental to social, vocational, environmental, and spiritual that work together to keep you, as she says, your head above the churning waters when they come. Mm. Not if they come, but when they come. Right. And so you know, she talks about how um, often we feel so powerless in life. We feel like we're getting tossed here and there. And even in our um, physiology, it, we're kind of born with, or at least we believe, we're born with certain genetics and it's like out of our control. And so like we have no choice but to go down that road. Um, so for example, I know that um, genetically, um, and also because of what I experienced with early tra- trauma, I've suffered from anxiety mm-hmm. from childhood up until early adult. And adulthood, and I, I would say I still can struggle with some worrying, um, but I have some years and years of practice patterns of reframing and thinking yeah. so that I really would say I, I'm not an anxious person. I don't struggle with anxiety. I mean, you've known me so long, yeah. you would not describe me as that way. And so she's talking about, Dr. Susan's talking about how, uh, yes, you can, even though you've got the genetics and you have a physiology, you can actually uh, change your bodies and your brains. Uh, can, you can actually gain healing. So that is really great news. Oh, it's so good news. And, you know, I was thinking, I was reflecting the other night about a mutual friend of ours mm. <clears throat> who's had, like, significant trauma in her life as a, mm-hmm. uh, as a young person. Mm-hmm. And I watch her mm. with... Great affection. Yes. Because she has so many built-in practices in her life. Yes. That she does. Mm-hmm. Not because she wants to all the time, mm-hmm. but this is the way I start my day. Mm-hmm. This is the way I start my week. Mm-hmm. This is the way, these are the things I need to do on a daily basis. Right, right. This kind of being in the world, mm. and you said, it's habitual, it's mm-hmm. practiced, mm-hmm. it's a considered way of making choices. Right. I don't feel like it, right. but I'm going to choose it. Right. Because I know it's for my good. Exactly. And I just watch her and I'm thinking, holy moly. Right. Like, mm-hmm. your life is structured to the point where you can do all these massive things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's growing this amazing business yeah. as a result yeah. because she has these habitual and practiced considered ways of choosing life. Yeah. And her picture literally is right next to the word resilient. Absolutely. Yeah. Is that, that What that young woman has endured. Yes. I love her to bits. So, yeah, this is the thing is that resiliency is something that you can habitually improve on. And that's the challenge because um, bad health often happens after a series, even sometimes long-term over years of bad choices. Yeah, exactly. Well, same thing, that when you are turning things around, it's going to take time. And so people go, well, I'm going to start exercising. And then you go for a week, and you know, like your muscles are killing you. And it's like, well, it's not working anyway. So then you give up, right? <laughs> right? Well, I, 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 I mean, this is an aside, but I heard this <laughs> very funny thing that if you own a gym, mm. expect it to be busy for the first two weeks of January and then yes. turn it into a wine bar for the rest of the year <laughs> because, you know, people will give up after two I weeks. I know. I know. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, so Dr. Susan's um, presenting all this wonderful science. So she says that we can actually slow down and even potentially reverse lifestyle damage. We don't have lifestyle damage. Oh. What kind of lifestyle damage do you think we'd have? <laughs> oh, get the checklist out, girl. <laughs> right. 
but also aging at the DNA level. Oh, Lord have mercy. Bottle that up and bring it to me. Well... It's actually a really simple solution. So she's talking, well, there's more, but one that she's mentioning that's super powerful, which why don't we do it more often? And she's talking about the relaxation response. So, you know, when we're stressed out, like we want to fight, flight, flee, fawn, kill somebody, <laughs> do something intense. Um, but the relaxation response actually is the antidote to that fight or flight stress response. So it literally calms our body down. And so it shows that studies have shown that when people are uh, long-term practitioners are of this relaxation response practices, they have actually enhanced expression of the genes associated with the maintenance and protection of telomeres. She's a doctor, wow. so she's got big words going on, but she explains it. Really, it just means that we age slower at a genetic level. Okay, so I'm intrigued. Yeah. Um, I'm really intrigued by that because... If I can do that here here and now mm. as a parent, yeah. am I changing the DNA of future generations? Absolutely. Isn't well, that unbelievable? That's worth it. Yeah. Well, there are some studies. Now I, I don't know if she quotes it because I haven't read it to that detail yet, but um that I have read a study where when I change my DNA, it it changes my kids' DNA. Like the what kids that I bear. Right. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> I like the idea of slowing down my aging. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> you know, a lot of people look at me and they go, because I really do try to eat healthy and I exercise she's regularly. She's so good at, she really is. She shames me because I'm eating fries and she's having a nice big salad. <laughs> I, I love my salad. And, you know, there's <clears throat> a running joke that I enjoy good food, but I actually am pretty healthy with my habits and try to get good sleep, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of times people go, oh, you're so lucky. And admittedly, my skin as an Asian, it doesn't tend to, you know, get as, it's not as, it shows its age as much. Yeah, it's not as wrinkly as mine. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but uh, lifestyle has something to do with it too. Mm -hmm. So um, so the other thing she said too is uh, we can reverse heart disease uh, because a lot of heart disease is impacted by stress response. We yeah. know that already. Yes. So if we're actually able to calm our fight or flight stress response, we can actually reverse heart disease. So it's changing our diet, changing our exercising, using this relaxation response. And then this is my favorite because like I'm a total brain geek. We can actually improve the functionality of our brains. <laughs> <laughs> What? Because I was just telling somebody the other day. What? As I was trying to get some words out. Yeah. You know, could you find the thingy that we use for the thingy when we make the thingy? I know. I love the word thingy. It's my favorite word. And I was like, <laughs> what am I even talking about? And how can I not get the brain functioning in the direction of this instruction? Well, apparently you can do something about it. <laughs> so she, she mentions uh, mindfulness meditation. Uh, mm -hmm. Mindfulness is so, so valuable. Yep. And I know some of you listening go, oh, that's that airy-fairy stuff. You know, people who do yoga. It's, and it's new age new and all age. stuff. No, yeah. no. So mindfulness is not. It actually is scientifically shown to help you in so many ways. And it's just being very present and aware of how you're feeling and thinking and your, what you're experiencing and doing it in a non-judgmental stance. But it can also just be meditating on things that are uplifting and mm -hmm. hopeful and just focusing on the things that bring life versus death, you know? Right. 
So, um, so Dr. Susan's talking about this whole life resilience, and she's quoting uh, this uh, professor of psychiatry, Dr. Frischon. Frischione. Frischione. Now he's Italian. Okay, well, <laughs> we don't know, but sounds like it. But anyway, he talks about the combination, and he uses the word stress buffering. So increasing resiliency involves a mixed approach that includes leveraging the relaxation response. And this is my favorite, one of my favorites, modifying thoughts and behaviors, yep. cultivating psychology positive psychology, maximizing social support, and then, of course, the physical supporting of our minds and bodies through exercise, diet, and sleep. So she has these 12 um, things that contribute to resiliency, and I'm not going to go through that because that would take... And by the way, I just want you to buy the book, so I'm not going to go through them. I'm just going to talk about the key ones that Jillian and I often talk about Mm -hmm. um, that I personally love, 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 and is such an important part of resiliency. So she talks about healthy and intimate relationships, social connections, and community. So, I mean, we have been preaching that like a storm, but also really trying to live it out. And so science has shown that having that connection uh, with a healthy community, healthy relationships, can actually help build your resiliency. There um, is a study, if you remember, I've uh, shared before, the backpack study. Yes. Um, and that's where they did uh, somebody standing in front of a big hill estimating how tall it was. And let's just say, for example, they said 50 meters. Then they strapped a backpack on their back, a very heavy weight. And then they'd look at the same hill and it'd be like 100 meters all right. of a sudden because it just seems, um, oh my gosh, overwhelming. Then the only condition they changed was they had somebody next to them who cared for them, who didn't even help them carry the backpack, who didn't even mm-hmm. uh, like say anything, but just stood next to them. Mm-hmm. And by virtue of that person's presence, the uh, respondent uh, estimation of the hill went back down to 50. Oh, you know, it's it just reminds me that analogy, Mary, of if I'm alone in the woods yeah. <laughs> at night, <laughs> yes, right, I'm hyper aware of every little snap, crackle, and pop in the forest. And there's got to be bears and cougars all around of me. Of course there are. But if there's someone else with me... Mm. Even if we're not talking, mm-hmm. I am not. I'm not as alone. Mm-hmm. I'm not as concerned. Mm-hmm. I'm not as freaked out. Right. Yeah. The perceived threat is not as big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when Peter and I went through his cancer journey, the thing that really, you know, aside from our faith, was the relationship we had with each other and the yeah. intentionality that we put into building our relationship with each other and supporting each mm-hmm. other through that. Like, I don't know how. And then, of course, our extended friends, like you guys were a big part of that journey, too. Like, how would we have gotten through that with uh, any degree of resiliency without those connections? Right. Yeah, it would be a very, very tough journey to get through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other things that I want to mention is she talks about sense of identity. Mm-hmm. You know, like having clarity with who you are, um, having clarity about your value. Uh, that is so important. Yeah. Um, and then the sense of control and self-efficacy. Yeah. Could you just like talk to us about self-efficacy? Because it's a phrase we don't use very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another word uh, that's kind of a synonym for it would be like agency. 
Yeah. So it's just having this sense of um, I can do something about this and I am capable. I am competent. I can make things happen. Yeah. And it's not the same as total control. It's because we talked about we talk right, about all right. the time. We don't have control over the outcomes, mm-hmm. but we have control over ourselves, our responses, yeah. all of those things. We have I can do hard things. It. I can do hard things. So when, you know, trauma has been shown, um, the three big lies are I am powerless. Mm. It's my fault. Yeah. And I'm all alone. Like I am in danger. I'm unsafe. So when you have, again, these connections, when you have a sense of control and self-efficacy, that's huge. And then sense of belonging as well. So like having these connections, you can see out of all the lists here, now there's a whole bunch of things she adds here about, you know, um, health and thinking and all those kinds of things. Finances and all that. Finances and all that. But like, can you see how many are related to our connection and our humanhood? Yes, that's right. You know? Yeah. So... um, You know, even of the ones that we mentioned here, healthy, intimate relationships, social connections, community, sense of identity, sense of control and self-efficacy, self self, sense of belonging. You know, where do you think you show strengths and where do you think you could grow in? Where would be your areas of development? And maybe, you know, get her book, first of all. I mean, because she gives you really, really good actions. And she, like I said, there's these 12 things that she talks about. Pick one. Right. Make it actionable. Like it could be physical health. Yeah. So put a plan in place. And if you don't have the internal structures to make changes in your life, then get external structures, which means you get a trainer or a coach or some accountability that help you to make that change. And uh, and and see how your resilience is going to improve. Um, I personally think I just want to get more in the habit of doing mindfulness and meditation and that relaxation response. If I can get that on a more regular basis, I think that would help significantly with yeah. all sorts of stress that I feel. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm looking at her list and one of the things is like structure. Mm. And I think that <laughs> um, part of the fallout of COVID huh. and it, like I got out of some structures that were really healthy for me. Now I kept some very healthy structures for sure, but I got out of some structures mm-hmm. and I think I need to return to those structures because like our friend that we talked about, yeah. that structured life, that habitual, mm. you know, choice of doing the right thing mm-hmm. um, really builds that resiliency for it me. Does. So it I've got to get back to some of those structures. Yeah. yeah. And as humans, we actually do well with routine. Yeah. Um, we can see it in our children, exactly. right? Exactly. When they have routine and they know what the expectations of the day mm-hmm. are going to look like, it takes a lot of the worry and anxiety out it of them. It does. It does. And you have that, again, that sense of self-efficacy, yes. right? So uh, that's kind of our um, review of uh, Dr. Susan's book. But like I said, please go and get it, um, especially as you're starting to recognize that, oh, my gosh, I am feeling burnt out. Uh, she's a burnout expert. Uh, she talks all over the place. So if you like Google her, she's probably got some different, you know, episodes here or there yeah. that would you just want to listen to her talking about it. Uh, if you're struggling with feeling stressed out, burnt out, knowing that you're just one step away from some physical or emotional breakdown, uh, yeah, get our book. Yes. Mm-hmm. We love to share these authors that are so generous with their expertise, their research, and the tools that can be placed right into your hands. 
Um, you know, it's not like, well, now you have to buy my $1,200 coaching package. <laughs> that's to do right. This. You get the tools placed right into your hands in order to start moving forward. And that's, you know, that's the reason we, we push these books is because we want you to have the tools that you can use on your own. Yeah. And I, and because I know um, Susan personally, I know that that's her heart. Yes. She genuinely wants people to be better, be more resilient. It's her passion. Awesome. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Take care. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.